welcome to a brand new episode of the Traction.gg podcast, where we talk about racing games, sim racing, and esports. Joining us today is the Senior Creative Director of the upcoming Formula One game, EA Sports F1 22. Lee Mather has worked on every single Formula One game developed by the Codemasters Birmingham team. So starting with F1 2010, and with over a decade's experience of working on the Formula One franchise, there's no one better to speak to with regards to F1 22. In this chat, we'll be talking about the big new features like F1 Life, the new rule changes, and new and improved circuits. However, what I really hope you gain from this conversation is an insight into the development process for a yearly Formula One game, why and how they decided to implement VR this time around, and also a conversation about the online functionality and the upcoming cross-platform online multiplayer too. Just a quick note, this was recorded before we tried the hands-on preview working progress build of the F122 game. Uh, for imp- opinions and impressions on that though, we will link in the podcast show notes and video description of this interview. Uh, we'll have several articles on the Traction.gg website, which if you want to have the latest news about F122, that is updated on a daily basis. So bookmark it. But also there'll be several videos of us actually playing F122, this early version, on the Traction.gg YouTube channel. So please do subscribe if you'd like to see those. There are some released now and there'll be some more in the coming days too. But for now, Lee Mather on the Traction.gg podcast. Okay, hi Lee, how are you today? Yeah, really good, thanks. Yourself? Yeah, I'm fantastic, thank you. And it's a pleasure to have you on the Traction podcast here because uh, EA Sports F122 is on the way very soon and there's been a grand reveal. So it'd be great to discuss a few things if that's okay. Yeah, of course. I mean... First of all, actually, now I mention it, I'd just like to quickly ask about the name of the game. So it was F1 2021 last year, and this year you've dropped the 20, it's just 22. Uh, is there a particular reason? Is it to tie in with the other EA Sports titles? It is very much so. So the game will have a, a much more obvious EA identity about it this year, as you'll see through some of the presentation, the way it's marketed. Uh, and obviously this is the first year where we've we've developed it while we've been part of EA. Obviously, 2021, we were coming out really with uh, just only a few months under the EA banner. Yeah. And it, it was obviously things were very further progressed as well. You know, so obviously 22, a lot of that, the materials that were being created were obviously finished and finalized. So now we've had a much longer run up. It was always in mind that when we felt it was the the right point to call it an EA Sports title, that's that's what we'd do. Yeah. So I know it's only a minor thing, but for me, it was also a big philosophical change and a big note of, ah, oh, okay. There's um, much more emphasis on the EA Sports part part of the branding. Yeah, and I think for anybody who's worked on the title as long as I have, it, it is a real shift. You know, it's sort of you're so used to, and, and for me to stop saying 2022 has uh, taken yeah. a while. But um, yeah, I think, I think it's really cool. It's it's like we said uh, when I said in the presentation. You know, it's a new era for the sport, and it feels like that's very much the case for the game for us as well. Yeah, that's very true because it handily ties in with the new rules for the season, and with the new rules, obviously you've had to make new cars, sure, new aerodynamics, and also several big new features to go through. And with this game, there are there are many, and it's going to be quite difficult to touch upon all of them, but we'll cover a lot in our conversation, I hope. For me, though, the, the key thing is how it feels, the feedback and the sensations and how it drives. My understanding is there's a brand new tyre model for this year. So is that going to be a significant change? Yeah, yeah, I, I feel so. I mean, I, I've been playing the game significantly, obviously, you know, just testing things and, and getting a feel for it. And 
the, the, the way that the handling feels this year will, will differ in a number of ways. Obviously, there's that that comes naturally through the changes to the cars themselves, through the additional weight, the different wheel and tyre sizes with the extra unsprung mass, the way that the, the aero is generated. But then there's a really significant shift in what we've done with the tyre model as well. And, and for anybody who's played our games over the years, you'll have felt we've experimented with slightly different ways in which the cars felt. You know, 10 started off with a car that was very much on edge, then it softened a bit in 11, changed again in 12. And we, you know, we've been always striving to try and get across that. You know, Formula One cars on a razor on a razor's edge, aren't they? They're super sharp. Everything's mm. very incredibly positive. But for a player on a controller and on a wheel at home, obviously at that, to that level, you've got to give them that mo- that you know the ability to manipulate the car on the limit the ability to catch a slide the ability to lock the brakes and still you know control the car and that's something we've been working so hard on for years and i think this year the changes to the tire model have have really achieved that something which we've always traditionally had and has been leveled at us was that the cars understeered predominantly it was the main characteristic of the chassis unless you went in and really fine-tuned the settings and understeers safe understeers understeers easier to drive that's why you know most rear-wheel drive road cars are set up with an understeer characteristic so people don't just keep spinning around but this year i feel like we've really got that edge we've really got that sharp turning that ability to place the car to pinpoint the apex while still not being too fearful of the back end just stepping out and catching you unawares you can manipulate the car on the throttle you can adjust it through the corner but it feels very very grippy but without suddenly just giving you tons of lap time you know because you you feel like if you've got lots of grip you can go really fast but you've got no more grip it just feels more controllable it feels balanced it feels you know you can actually manipulate that car more effectively that sounds really interesting if i've been playing f121 a lot Oh, 2021, sorry, a lot. And I'm moving to F122. Is there then another learning curve of adapting your driving style to to match these new vehicles? I think that there's a moment of recalibration, most definitely. Uh, It's very much I found I would turn earlier for the Apex in 21. I will turn more directly, targeting the Apex, turning that a little bit later in, in 22, because I know that the front end bite is going to be there to allow me to turn that car in. Interesting. Okay, well, that's one of those things where it's a challenge to describe and even showing videos, but then when people actually try it, then they're going to notice the difference and hopefully we'll get hands-on with it soon and looking forward to that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some of the things, though, that do add to the authenticity, I think, which can be visualised, are I believe that the pit stops are different this year. I've seen an image of um, some on-screen indicator of what to do. Could you explain how, how they're different from previous years and have they been reworked? Yeah, so we've always been really pleased with what we do with the pit stops because we've always done a great visual representation of the pit stops and obviously the timings and things that go on. But we wanted to do a, a few things this year. So first up, obviously, the wheels and tyre sizes are different. So we wanted to remotion capture the pit stops to accommodate that. We wanted to remotion capture them to get the speeds and the timings correct. Obviously, pit stops are a little bit slower now. And even though we'll always motion capture them at the correct speed, to speed up and slow down animations, sometimes they look a little bit cartoony and we didn't want that. We wanted it to look authentic. We wanted to allow my team and driver career training of the pit crews in the in the, the settings that you've got in there to actually impact on the pace and the performance of your pit crew because right. that's incredibly important. So through through the, the uh, departments in my team, obviously, if they're doing well, you can impact on the performance of your pit crew as well. But also we wanted to bring back crew errors 
I mean, crew errors are, are a big part of the sport. We wanted that ability to have wheels get stuck or front wing you know, removal and replacement to be an issue. And finally, we wanted to give players the choice to have a bit more agency on how they get their car into the pit box. And that's where the time-based mechanic comes in. So as you're approaching that point, you see the augmented reality space in the pit lane. If you time it correctly, you stand more chance of getting a fast pit stop. There's obviously a margin in there. You know, the crew aren't going to be 100% accurate every time but you'll stand a better chance of getting the quicker timings. You'll stand a better chance of them not having a wheel get stuck. Again, that's also impacted by the way that their their training has gone as well and whether you've invested in in that department. So again, so, it, it adds a lot more depth to the pit stops. Yeah, right. So it's not it's not just the... I wasn't aware of that. The, like, the on-track mechanic of timing your pit, pit entry, which sounds uh, innovative, but also it's the fact that if you're in the My Team career modes, let's say... You've got to invest in those areas. And so maybe some teams have quicker pit stops or more reliable pit stops. That's that's fascinating. We'll have to see how that plays out over the course of several seasons of, uh, of the My Team. Yeah, I think it'd be very exciting. And, and as I mentioned yesterday, we, we've obviously put the option in there for players who are competing sort of in, in esports events to you know, right. disable those of those variables because everybody wants a, playing, a fair playing field. Right, yeah, I was, I was going to ask that because I think personally I would like to leave them on because it sounds quite fun, but they'll certainly be... Um, I would. Yeah, exactly. But there'll be the, the esports um, scenarios where it'll have to be everybody's level, like you say. I've just repeated what you said there, but I'm fully with you. It makes complete sense. I, I understand in a related sense, perhaps, that the there are some more formation lap options as well. Like, do I have to, um, if the option's on, line up in my grid box correctly, for example? Yeah, so in, in a similar vein, so with pit stops, formation lap, uh, and the safety car, we've added in a broadcast option for all three of them. So for players right. who, who don't want to engage in those periods, but they love to see them on TV because it's a massive part of Formula One, it looks cool. There's a, there's a broadcast presentation. So the formation lap can be presented to you in a broadcast style, and then the cars will, will pull into their grid slots and off you go. But if you want to engage with it yourself, we've expanded a little on what you can do with the grid slot placement. So previously it would park you in the slot and you know, you know the race start would, would begin. Now you can park the car yourself in your grid slot and you can determine obviously the angle at which you point your car from your grid slot. Ah, uh, okay. So I could be slightly towards uh, the the racing line that I would want to be, or to cover off someone in the grid box, right? So I could be pointed slightly to the right. Is that correct? Yeah. It is. Right. Yeah, yeah. Very but, again, it's 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 very much re- replicating what we see in the real world. Right. I mean, you often yeah. see the and the commentators will always come out with it. You know, it's like, well, you can see that guy's pointing his car defensively, ready for the first corner. Or, yeah, and that's what we wanted. Nice, but perhaps not like uh, was it Giancarlo Fisichella in Malaysia once, where he was completely in the wrong position. I guess it still puts you in the right area. We're, we're, if the player goes too far beyond the boundings, we'll correct it. Yeah, that's fair enough. So speaking of like the, the presentation as well, uh, one surprise I learned about was that there's actually more uh, presenters or commentators or pundits involved. So I believe you've got the 97 championship Villeneuve and a few others, like Natalie Pinkham as well, right? Yeah, we do. It's something that we wanted to expand upon. I mean, Formula One's doing a great job these days of really expanding the talent that they have involved. Um, we were very passionate about involving Natalie. Uh, we spoke to various other members of the the crew as well, and that's something you know, we'll continue to to grow those over year over the years. But you know, Natalie's just brilliant, and, and in the last um, few races as well, in last season, she started to move into the the, um, the, the commentary box as well, yeah. and and covering sort of the practice sessions. And we thought that was a great opportunity. To, to give Natalie a role in there as well. So we've got obviously David Croft doing the primary commentator and then Anthony and Natalie sharing uh, the, the secondary commentator. We also have the ability now for the players who want to do so to have Alex Jakes take over the Crofty role. 
So if you feel like a bit of a change, you can do so. And then, yeah, in, in certain territories, we'll also have Jacques Villeneuve and Jean-Éric Verne. So, yeah, there were was, there was still some territories where we had voice talent that, that were actors and we wanted to try and bring in more real authentic Formula One talent. And, and again, that I don't know if you're going to mention it, but it, it moves over to the, um, the race engineer as well. I mean, the, the much-loved Jeff is well, finally retiring. Yeah, yeah I was just going to say, uh, well, before I mention Jeff, just quickly, so just to be clear on that, the Jacques Villeneuve, Johnny Vern, that's, for example, if I would be playing in, what, Canada or France? Yes, yeah. Right, that, that's cool. And the Alex Jakes thing is kind of like switching between Sky and Channel Four in the UK. That's kind yeah. of kind of a cool option there. Yeah. Um, yes. So Jeff, um, for those who don't know, he's like your race engineer. You hear his voice. He has several lines, and each year there's sort of like some tweaks or some different lines. And he's he's a familiar voice for everybody, anyone who has played several Formula One games back to back. So now there's um, a new person who was a Formula. Mechanic, uh, race engineer at McLaren, right? F1 Elvis, and yeah. he's doing the new voiceover. That's going to be really interesting to hear that. Mm. Yeah, it's fantastic. So it came about because last year during this sort of period of the launch for 21, I, I did a, a stream with Mark and I thought, you know, if we get the opportunity, I'd love to do something else with Mark in the future. And then obviously he's become really popular presenting Wheeler Dealers on, on TV. Right. And as soon as we, we started the discussions around new voice talent, and um, we've got the, well, okay, so where do we approach? Who do we need to speak to? Who needs to contact who? And I just thought, well, I'm just going to ask Mark, see if he's interested. <laughs> and he was. And, and rather than just having to go through the, the, the long-winded process of finding people and, and interviewing and, and you know getting showreels and things, we called Mark up. He was like, yeah, very interested. Popped over to the Southam studio. We all went in. He did a test read for us. And the audio team were just, yeah. We've we've got the race engineer. You know, it was it was nice perfect. One. Yeah, yeah. So, is he going to be doing uh, slightly different lines as well? There are new lines, uh, but also because of his history and obviously people deliver things differently. I mean, Crofty ad libs quite heavily on our on our scripts. Uh, Mark did the same. So, if there were things that he didn't think were quite right, he would reword oh, them and we'd change them. Or if there were delivery that didn't suit his style or something that he would naturally say, we, hmm. we never want anybody who who's a, a voice artist for the game to say something they wouldn't naturally say because obviously we write the scripts. We're not those people. There might be something that they go, "Oh, I'd never say that." So you know, we, we, we do allow them to you know, make those tweaks and changes. Oh, that's cool. I mean, some fans may have already picked up on a little bit of his audio because it was part of the little teaser trailer uh, before on YouTube, right before the premiere of the uh, reveal happened. So uh, I think there were a few people speculating there, and it turns out they might have been correct. So I wasn't one of them. I didn't pick up on it. So well done to those who did. I, I was uh, impressed they did. Yeah, that's uh, a next level. Um, I want to talk about the online modes because we briefly touched about how there's an esports option for the pit stop to keep it level. Uh, obviously, the game has a huge amount of uh, online capability from the previous seasons. There's unranked, there's ranked, there's the events, uh, several other things you can do, like the online um, career mode as well with the cop. How has that evolved from last year's game to this year's game? So, I mean, the, the simple answer for this one is we were implementing crossplay um, to allow those those to yeah. be played across any platform. Uh, as, as we sort of highlighted yesterday, crossplay will be coming post-launch now. Uh, it's, it's It was always planned to be earlier than that, but um, you know, there, were, there were things that were outside of our control. So really, the the big gain there will be the, the implementation of crossplay. Right, interesting. So for those who aren't aware, the, the cross-platform online multiplayer means that in theory someone on PC could play with someone on PlayStation with someone in Xbox and they're all in the same same lobby. That's certainly how it yeah. works on uh, 
previous Codemaster titles like Dirt 5 and Grid Legends. Will that work with the EA friends list? Is that something that will be implemented? Is that how people will join up? That is part of the implementation, yes. Yeah, yeah that's, cool. that's what we're targeting at the moment. And it's very much a case of we, we're implementing it for two-player career because that's obviously a key one where you, you've yeah. no restrictions of which of your friends you play with and mm. for the social play in the game as well. So that's the first implementation we're going for. We're doing two-player career, we're doing social. So if you create a lobby with your friends, you can invite it on any platform. Yeah. If you want to set up a race with, you know, if you, a lot of the leagues use the social play to create their lobbies, they'll be able to invite in from any platform as well. Ah, yes. Well, you just mentioned these leagues there, and there are a lot of uh, leagues that use the Formula 1 game, so I'm sure they'll be happy to know that they can use that cross-platform if they wish. And I'm assuming the ranked system just stays within your own uh, platform. Yeah, However, so, so the, the ranked and the league-specific section, they're, yeah. they're staying platform-specific. Um, okay. Again, purely because it's a, it's a very complicated implementation, and this is the first stage, and we'll obviously investigate you know, expanding further. Of course. Uh, but... Despite that, they will still be uh, cross-generational. So PS4 to PS5 and Xbox One to Xbox Series, correct? Yeah, Launch, launches with cross, um, cross-generational yeah. play. And then we will uh, bring in cross-play yeah, as soon as we can. Okay, so something else that's going to be a launch is the new Miami circuit. How important was it that it was to be there from day one? For me, it's, it's massively important. Uh, a new circuit's really exciting. It's very, very cool. It's... It feels weird to not launch with the full season, but you know you can't always do these things. But for for Miami, it's it's going to have such a big splash. It's very glamorous, and and we've seen you know in recent years, whenever a new event comes onto the calendar, it's more than just a race weekend. It's a it's a week long event, and I think Miami is going to be one of the biggest parties in Formula One, isn't it? It's going to be super exciting. They're going to push the glamour, the excitement of the race. The location looks fantastic. The track's very cool. Um, I think it's yeah, it's so it's very important for us to get that in at launch, and I think now we'll we'll have the opportunity to actually see the race take place before the game launches, so we can always start looking at if there's any potential changes that have been right. made. There always is. There's always things yeah. that are different. Grandstands get placed in different locations. They start to build them. They realise it's not quite right. They move it. You know, we're building based off plans, so we don't know what, exactly what it's going to be like on the day. But you know, we'll have seen that, so we can look at you know, refining those at a later date if need be. Oh, that's that's good to hear because I was going to ask that next, but you you've covered that off. Is it a fun track to drive? Have you tried oh, it? Oh, I think so. Yeah, I think it's really cool. It's um, compared to some of the other new circuits, which are they're all insanely fast. It has sections of that, and then there is this really really tricky, tight, very slow section that, that really mm. throws you. You're not expecting it, and it's also got a height change as well, which which makes it very challenging to not only sort of turn the car but also get back on the throttle. Ah, interesting. Oh, well, looking forward to trying that out in the game. And I'm watching the rail race as well, which I understand is completely sold out and is going to be, like you say there, a big show uh, with the with the marina that they've created and everything. Very interesting. Yeah. Well, some of the returning circuits, uh, Spain, Abu Dhabi, Australia, they're updated. Could you talk to me th- uh, through the process of how that came about? Like, How long did it take to update the tracks? Were you working with Formula One to get the information? Things like this. Yeah, so, so we get the CAD data for the circuits. Uh, and if LiDAR is available, we also get the LiDAR. But in these cases, I believe it was it was CAD for these circuits. Obviously, the changes were implemented last year. But last year, we were working hard to add in the tracks that were being also added to the game. So right. we've continued to obviously work on, on the three updated circuits. And Melbourne is, is a real significant change. You know, it's, it's completely changed the character of the circuit. Melbourne was very much, a, for me, a point and squirt circuit. It was very much traction limited. You'd come to corners that were literally down to third gear and then a tight right with then traction again. 
and now it's really fast and flowing. It's a super fast and flowing circuit. And I think as we saw from the race, it certainly changed the dynamic of it quite significantly. There was a lot more opportunities to overtake and obviously the, the new cars are presenting that as well. So again, I think the changes to all three of those circuits are very much to tailor them to the strengths of a Formula One car, which is going insanely fast wheel to wheel, as opposed to stop start corners and things like that. So it yeah. really is showcasing the, the the excitement and the strengths and the high speeds of Formula One cars and, and the flow of the race. If a race happens and all of a sudden Formula One changes the DRS zones, for example, like they did in Australia, is that is that a headache or is that something that's something you could implement? For example, in Melbourne, I'm assuming uh, hopefully F122 would have how they ran it during the race as opposed to what they were planning on beforehand. Yeah. They removed one of the DRS zones, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, very much. So it, it just depends on the on the timing, basically. So right. Melbourne, that gives us, I believe, we have enough headroom to make those changes. But it's not as simple as just moving it. It's it's an art change. It's a physics change, obviously, for the track markup yeah, as of well. Course. Yeah. And then there's also the potential that the AI might not be trained enough to understand that. So they might not know that at that point they're going to arrive at the next corner 15 kilometers faster because they had DRS or they didn't have DRS. So it's just giving it, giving them the, the awareness of these things on the circuit because they need to know it exists as well, just as much as the player does. Yeah, that's actually a really key point. I think uh, sometimes a lot of people perhaps don't understand that the AI needs to change with any track changes as well. And that has the whole development process. So that's yeah. a very interesting and good, good yeah, that you it's... raised that. Okay, so away from the track changes, a key thing for those on PC, which many people have been championing and writing in forums for many years about is the implementation of virtual reality. Um, there is a like a screenshot was released for the game of the onboard of camera angle, and that's I suppose in, uh, suppose representing the VR capabilities. So, how did that come about? How did you uh, create it? And is it just in a dedicated game mode, or is it throughout the title? So it's one of those that we've wanted to to experiment with and try for a long time. We know how loudly the fans have called for VR for a number of years. As you know, by the scale of the game, it's it's a, it's a huge game. And I think we put out a really big game for a modestly sized team. Um, but the opportunity came up in the similar vein to, to Crossplay that we could partner with somebody externally. That resource became available to us. They had time in their schedule to work with us. They've worked with us previously on other Codemasters games doing VR. So it was the perfect opportunity to to finally push it into, into a Formula One game. And obviously with the on, onset of the, the helmet cameras in the sport as well, you know, it really fits nicely with what people are seeing on TV, which is obviously something that we're always very passionate about doing, which is mirroring what the sport's doing. We've got the great audio already in game, so we could recreate that for the players. So it really puts them in the car. And, and that's very much, that's how it came about. And that's that's why we wanted to really push it this year. We had the opportunity to do so. We've wanted to do it for a long time. And we want players to, yeah, really experience what it's like in a Formula One car. It's probably a bit too early to ask this, but have you been considering the PlayStation VR 2 at any point? Always a discussion. Um, as I've said over the years, you know, with VR, there's nothing ever off the table. It's always under discussion. And uh, yeah, continue that one. Cool. And uh, perhaps something else that might be... Um and discussion for for the future is obviously there's the real world track list of the game but in previous years there was like short versions of the tracks and they were like removed i think for 2021 mm -hmm. um are there any plans to have tracks outside of the f1 calendar perhaps for like multiplayer or or single player modes to add a little bit more variety perhaps Something I can't really speak about at the moment, but something we'll definitely um, go into a little more detail with once uh, once the game's out and about. Interesting. All right, we'll we'll leave it at that. Um, so I think we've we've covered. I think what I would call the core sort of 
more hardcore elements. So the vehicle handling, the, the rules changes, um, the pit stops, the tracks. But there's also F1 Life, which adds a bit more fun and frivolity to things, certainly from, from what I've seen. Uh, from a base level, for those who don't know, because it's a new feature, could you just explain what the methodology is behind F1 Life and how it how it works in the game? Yeah, so I mean, over the years, if you remember back to some of the earlier games, we had 3D space in the in there which the player could move around and, and interact with, and we always see that the world of Formula One is really glamorous. The the the, the um, discussion we've often had in the past is, you know, could we have people having yachts and airplanes and, and flats and things, but also. It's all about personalization and customization and giving the player a space that they can call their own. We also wanted something to use as a really nice lobby space as well for multiplayer. So the concept of F1 Life is that you've got a really beautiful space that's yours. In that space, you will see the other characters from your friends list in there. They'll be able to dress their avatars to represent their personality. They'll be able to customize the space to represent what they want it to look like. So the game feels like yours when you fire it up. With the addition of the supercars, which the players will earn through gameplay, we wanted them to have somewhere as a you know a really spectacular place to showcase them. You often see these videos of wealthy individuals who've got spaces where they park their cars in a lounge environment and they can sit and admire them. So it's a case of, well, Formula One drivers have that ability to do that. They have the money to own those cars. They have the spaces to, to store them. We wanted somewhere to showcase the player's trophy cabinet. That exists in there as well. Uh, so you can see the player's trophy cabinet. And as I mentioned, you know, when you're waiting in that multiplayer lobby, you'll be placed in somebody's F1 Life location and there's multiple rooms in the location. So you'll get to see you know, their, their personal preference for how that location works. And it gives us the opportunity to bring in really cool brands as well. So uh, we haven't announced them yet, but we have a number of clothing brands that we've partnered with and the player will be able to dress their avatar in their trainers, their hoodies, their joggers, their shorts, their caps. You know, that sort of thing. So again, it's, it's bringing in a flavour of Formula One. Formula One's all about really you know, cool brands, cool lifestyle elements. And it's something nice for players to you know, really personalise the experience to themselves as well. Cool. So it has the razzmatazz of the F1 circus in there. It does. It does. Yeah, that was very much the uh, the inspiration behind it. Yeah. And, and interestingly, you mentioned that you can have the trophy cabinets. I think pre- in previous games where you uh, win a championship, for example, you, you, I think you get a notification or an email and there's the trophy there in, in a list in a section, in a menu section, but hopefully we'll bring uh, more life to it. Oh, excuse the pun, by able to see that on a shelf uh, in the game. Yeah. And, and when I first read the press release, I was a bit, I was unsure as to how it would work. But now that I know that it's actually part of the online lobby system and you can see other players' customizations. That's very interesting. And now that I know that the supercars you can unlock can actually be driven, that adds another element to it. So could you talk to me about how the, how the uh, supercars that you unlock are to drive and also why you can drive the safety cars, which I think is really cool and interesting. Yeah, so, I mean, to drive, obviously, they, they feel as a road car, as a supercar would, and, and the, the contrast between the Formula One car is, is incredible. You know, you've got that real sort of intense edge of your seat insane grip insane speeds of a formula one car and then you've got a very fast road car that's on road tires that's got a much wider slip angle that can be thrown around and it gives you that moment of i'll just take a moment i'm just going to chuck this around have some fun do some drifting and they're all sort of you know um, target-based events that you can do in them they're there is a bit of a a break from the intensity just to give you a second to you know regain your thoughts have some fun they're also we wanted to reward the player you know as as i've often said you know as a as a Formula One fan myself, I can just take great pleasure from just taking part in a Formula One season. 
you know, I absolutely love to do that. But it's also nice to be rewarded for your achievements throughout that as well. And that's where supercars are rewarded to the player. So you'll get you'll earn tokens to unlock a supercar and you'll pick which one you want and then eventually you'll collect all of them. We thought it'd be a real novelty to have the opportunity to drive the, the safety cars. You know, they're, they're wonderful looking cars and we wanted the player to be able to use those in time trial as well. So they're, uh, yeah, part of the, the digital deluxe offering the Champions Edition of the game. Oh, I see. Yeah. In the previous games, there was like some historic events within my team to break up um, the main race. Is, is that where these would fit in within the my team mode if you break things up? To break things Very up? much so. They, uh, they're tied to each of the race weekends. So you have the ah, opportunity okay. to pick one of two for each race weekend. It's very much inspired by what the actual um, the, the, the manufacturers do at the Formula One race weekends where they do the Pirelli hot laps where they'll put somebody famous or a journalist in one of the supercars and the drivers will take them round and showcase their, their talents and, and the cars themselves. So yeah, it was very much a, it is part of a Formula One race weekend to have that. We wanted it to be part of the game because it's, it's a fun mix of pace, something a little bit different. So speaking of something that was a little bit different in F1 2021, and I'm aware that we're taking up a lot of your time here, so we'll, we're near the end of our conversation, but uh, there isn't breaking point this year. Uh, uh, why is that? And could it return in the future? So purely the, the reasons are purely logistically. It's uh, it's a huge undertaking to do something like that. If you look at um, the cadence so far for this sort of thing in the game, 2019, we did the F2 feed series, which was the cinematic game mode to, to open the, the game there. And then obviously 21 had breaking point and you saw the scale of breaking point compared to what we did with F1's 2019's intro. It's vast. It's something that takes a very long time to put together. There's a lot of time in the casting. There's a lot of time in creating the scenes. So it's a cadence that I think we're comfortable with. It gives us the opportunity to obviously change our focus year on year. You know, we can focus very closely on certain areas of the game one year, certain areas of the game Mm. another year. Uh, And it's very much something that we're behind. It's obviously been really successful. Everybody really enjoyed Breaking Point. The feedback was fantastic. So, yeah, it's definitely, as I said, if we do something in the game, we do it for the long term. And that's the sort of cadence that we're going to stick with with Breaking Point for the for the foreseeable anyway. Ah, okay, so that's almost like a, a two-year cadence. So fans of Casper Ackerman and Aidan Jackson, um, hopefully in the future, then that story will will continue. That's that's good news. What would you say is the biggest challenge when creating a yearly release, and how is the development team structured to deliver uh, a suite of new features year in year out? There's many challenges. It just depends on the, the focus of the game that particular year. And they come from so many different places as well, those challenges. I think sometimes fans perceive it to be the same game because the sport hasn't changed drastically this year. The sport's changed massively and that's given us a real leg up. And yet yeah. we bring in different features every year. We bring in different game modes. So it's always keeping that perception that the game is is fresh and changing and new and different every year. Um, which which we believe it is. You know, we do a huge amount of work to keep the game feeling fresh. We also have the challenge of ensuring that we represent the sport as accurately as possible. That's really important. But we don't want to alienate people who are new to the world of Formula One. And that's also a real balancing act for us to ensure that we do Formula One for the hardcore, but we also give players who are new to the sport. They've maybe only just started recently engaging with it and watching it. And they've gone, oh, I love Formula One. I wish there was a Formula One game. Oh, there is. It's a bit hard. We don't want that. We want them to be able to play the game and learn more about the sport and progress their experience. So so those are the sorts of challenges we face. To enable us to do that, back in 2019, we sort of, we gained an extra third to the team. So we actually have one of the third teams who work on Formula One. The third of the team sort of will start a year ahead and then the rest of the team will transition across with a third then moving on to the year after that. So there's always 
two games uh, on the move. Oh, I see. That's fascinating. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because it must be extraordinarily difficult to expand it massively with just 100% of the team working on this one title. Yeah. So having look, a part of it fractured off is interesting. Yeah, very much so. If you look at the the differences between sort of 18 to 19 and then where things went after 19, mm. you'll see the, the, the growth of the title was significant from 19 onwards. And that was when we brought in the, the ability to have one of the third teams working on the game. Right. I mean, like my team was in 20, for example, for the first time. And that was a that was a huge new addition. It was breaking point. Now there's F1 life with the new regulations. So Exactly. Exactly. Imagine 18 months to do breaking point as opposed to you know, nine months, which is essentially right. what it would have been. And the same for my team. Both absolutely vast features. Hmm. And of course, breaking point delivered during a slightly tricky period. In, uh, in yes, the, well, so. that's very true. And you had to add in the new tracks post-release as well, so fair play. So one last question, Lee. When's F122 available? Uh, so 28th of June for the Champions Edition and 1st of July for the standard version. Wonderful. Well, we wish you all the best for the release. Thank you very much. Cool. Nice one. Thank you. Well, thank you very much for joining our conversation with Lee Mather there, the Senior Creative Director at EA Sports for the F122 game. I hope you found that very enlightening and insightful. So we covered lots of new features there, but also went in-depth on some of the additions and how they were made. But there's always more, and there's a lot more detail and our personal opinions about the game and the Miami circuit on the Traction.gg website. So please do visit that on a regular basis. We will update it with the latest F122 news. Also details about when it's going to release, uh, what in content is included and excluded, that's also on there. And as I said earlier at the start, we have some YouTube videos of us actually playing it coming soon too. As ever, if you did enjoy this conversation, please do follow and rate on Spotify, review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, and on YouTube, like, subscribe and comment with what you'd like to see from the Formula One games in the future. All those things really do help out the podcast and enables us to get more guests on in the future. But for now, Keep it pinned.